0: And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith.
1: Well, hey, folks, this is Ray Hilbert. Welcome back to another edition of the program, Bottom Line Faith. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the program. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. You know, this is the place where we get this amazing opportunity to go across the country, sometimes physically, actually going across the country, but oftentimes like we are today we're going to be online where we get to interview the most amazing guests and here's what they all have in common they love jesus and they are working to leverage their marketplace platform to bring glory to the lord and to live out their faith and and i'm just going to get right to it because i have been so excited for months we have been trying to get our friend john gordon here folks you know john international best-selling author keynote speaker But that is awesome about John, but what he really wants us to know is that he is a husband and a father, and he loves Jesus. Check out just a little bit about John and his background. Best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the globe. In fact, right before getting us together, he was online with 800 educators in the great nation of Canada. He is the author of many books, some of which I know you're familiar with, The Energy Bus, The Carpenter, Training Camp, The Power of Positive Leadership, The Power of a Positive Team, and his latest is called Stay Positive. Are we getting the theme yet? And folks, check this out. We're gonna talk today with John about his upcoming book that will be released this summer called The Garden. John Gordon, welcome to Bottom Line Faith.
0: Ray, thanks for having me. It's so great to be with you. And I loved speaking at your conference a few years ago, one of the greatest memories in my life speaking.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Well, that was just a couple of years ago, so we're recording this in the spring of 2020, and so that was just a couple of years ago you joined us here in Indianapolis, and John, I just want to get right into it, because as you and I are having this conversation, we're in the middle of, obviously, a global uh, pandemic, and there's just bad news everywhere. It just seems like people are discouraged, and they're fearful, and so forth, and so more than ever, We need to have a message, a positive and an uh, an uplifting message. Why is this so much your passion? Why is this what you built your life around? Why is positivity so critical?
0: Well, because pessimists do not change the world. Naysayers (laughs) say you can't do it. Complainers complain about problems, but they don't solve them. Critics write words, but they don't write the future. Throughout history, it is the positive leaders, the believers, the dreamers, the doers, that have the greatest impact, that ultimately transform their teams, organizations and and change the world. And so for me, it became a calling when I was miserable and negative and my wife came up to me and she almost left me. It was during the dot-com crash where I lost my job and I didn't have insurance for the kids. Didn't know how I was gonna pay the bills. The most fearful time of my life. But that's when my faith was born. That's when I asked Mm -hmm. God, what am I born to do? Why am I here? Writing and speaking came to me. And I knew that's what I was going to do. Now, I wasn't a believer yet, but I knew I wanted to be more positive and I wanted to write about that. So it really became a calling that I was meant to do. It wasn't like I chose it because I'm not naturally positive. That's the ironic thing about this. Wow. Like on my on my own, I am fearful. With God I am faithful. And so only with God am I strong. Only with God am I positive. And so I you know, it's a journey that I had to go on. And it's something that that found me, but I find it very ironic that I'm known as like Mr. Positive when I'm really not. And this is my life's work, but I know that I'm a good teacher because I have to work at it. So I can help a lot of people who are going through challenges. It's so funny because I'm getting so many messages from people saying, thank you for your emails, your messages, your newsletters, your, your posts on social media really needed during this time. It hasn't changed my messages. It's the same as a couple of years ago, yeah. same as a year ago. But because people really are needing it right now and starving for it, they're finding it and they're receiving it in a different way. So I really believe that I, I was made for a moment like this, that God prepared me to be a light for others during this time. I failed the test in the dot-com crash, right? Mm-hmm. I had to overcome. I had to find my faith. I had to become stronger. Eventually, that led me to be someone who can make a difference right now.
1: Can we go back to that that season, that chapter, that moment, whatever it was when you you were in crisis, sounds like, and we don't need to get into all those details, but what I would love to hear is what was it or how was it that you, you said, I found my faith, I found my relationship with Christ. Walk us through that process. How did that come about? What was that like? And then how did that begin to transform your outlook on the world and life?
0: Yeah, that was a several year process. And my wife and i wrote a book called relationship grit it comes out at the end of august and grit stands for god resolve invest together and so we talk about our journey our marriage and we share that whole story about what happened and the journey we both went on so what happened was when i when i when i lost my job i did have a a crisis of faith of confidence i no longer could rely on myself for the first time i was not in control so that was my surrender moment. Like I remember surrendering God, please God, help me. Provide for my family and I will do your work. So that was like my first covenant where I surrendered mm. to God and just said, help me. Being Jewish and growing up Jewish, I was bar Mitzvah. I have I had an Italian dad who raised me, Catholic, mom, Jewish. Biological father was Jewish. So technically I'm 100% Ashkenazi Jew, which is interesting. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I I understood the Jewish faith in terms of you know there was a God and and I was part of that tribe, right? So I understood that. And so when I surrendered, that became my first covenant moment where I was like, all right, God, I, I trust in you. And then I still had anxiety, I still had fear, I still had stress. I started to write these positive tips each week, and I would send them out. I started getting asked to speak at different small small events. I had opened up this restaurant. To, second mortgage our home hopefully making enough money that would provide us with the income so i can write and speak and get started doing that and a lot of it initially was not from a christian perspective it was more from a self-help positive perspective and so i even wrote two books like that which i really don't even talk about now because uh, those two books are not a part of who i am now and so i was out there doing this work talking about positivity and yet not really living it a hundred percent like i was Uh, positive in ways, but I also had a lot of fear and doubt and negativity that was really wreaking havoc on me that wasn't making me the best person all the time. And I would have moments of discouragement and angry outbursts and so forth. My wife and I would talk about not physical violence, but just like mental, emotional weakness on my part where I wasn't the guy I wanted to be. I wasn't the husband I wanted to be. I wasn't the father I wanted to be. And then a friend of mine a few years later gave me some sermons from Erwin McManus. And those sermons really spoke to me. One was called Why I Follow Jesus. And it just spoke to me so much so that for the first time, I heard the voice of Jesus through Erwin. For the first time, I felt something in my heart and my soul. And I remember saying, God, is there is, God? if there is something to this Jesus, I'm open. Show me the signs, God, I'm open. And God started to show me the signs. Literally, signs that said Jesus is the answer. <laughs> everywhere I would drive, everywhere I'd go, I saw signs that said Jesus is the answer. And so that began this journey of faith and I finally was baptized in in 2007 2007 although the faith accepting Jesus came before that probably more in 2006 but was officially baptized in 2007 I wrote the energy bus as I was coming to faith as I was accepting Jesus as my savior it's so funny you could actually see the transition in the character and in the story you can really see my own transformation in that book, which is pretty wild. People have said that to me and God just transformed me and God took a hold of me and started to work in me. And I remember saying, you know, God, I don't have all the answers. God, I don't understand it all. Some of it just seems, you know, fairytale-ish to me, but just strengthen my faith, God, just strengthen my faith. And next thing you know, friends would give me books by Max Lucado and, And John Ortberg and other books. I started reading them. I started listening to more sermons. And over time, God just strengthened my faith. But more importantly, I can't deny what he has done in my heart. Like transform me from the inside out. Like who I am today is so different than who I was. And we share that in the book. And my wife talks about my transformation. She talks about my mistakes. We talk about my failings. We talked about my flaws. We talk about everything. We put it all out there. But we also talk about the transformation of God, how God changed me. And became a better husband and better father, and then I started writing these books, started speaking, and I started to walk the walk and and live what I was writing about. And and uh, yeah, it's been a really wild ride and a and, a, and a one that's continuing, right? I'm I'm I am thankful I'm not who I was, but I'm excited about who I'm becoming.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so, John, you, <laughs> there's so many things as I'm listening, I just want to just ask and just have this conversation. And so sure. how, how, how many books have you authored to this point?
0: I've written 22 books when you count The Garden and Relationship Grid that are coming out, so 22.
1: Okay, so that, that's like astounding because most of us don't read 22 books in the course of our life. And so just um, from the from the process about, you know, how does something end up becoming a book that you are excited about where does that thought process come from? Um, how are you inspired? Just what, what could you share with us about how you got this book coming out called the garden later this summer?
0: How's it come about? This is so cool because this is how you know that God is in control. This is how you know that it's not me. Someone like me is not really smart enough to write these kind of books and only through God do I write them. People ask me all the time, do you have a ghostwriter, John, who writes your books? I'm like, uh, I don't have a ghostwriter, I have a holy (laughs) ghostwriter. I love it. (laughs) And so God gives me the idea, the vision. Let's take the garden. It was Christmas. We just finished Relationship Grit. My wife and I had just finalized the editing process. Christmas day, I had these ideas for the five D's I wanted to share, the five D's that sabotage us, that the enemy uses, his game playing against us is doubt distortion, lies, distraction, discouragement and division. And so doubt, I'll say it again, doubt, distortion, lies, discouragement, distraction and division. And so the enemy uses those five D's. So I wanted to write about that. I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a fable. Initially the book was going to be called identity, but then it hit me. I'm going to write a fable. And then I thought about how the enemy attacks us in the place of our identity. I'm going to write about the garden, the garden of Eden. I'm going to write a fable about that and understanding that teaching. And so, boom, should I do it now, God? Am I supposed to write this book now? All of a sudden, God gives me the framework. He gives me the story. Mr. Irwin, modeled after Erwin McManus. Two teenagers, they're twins, J and K. And there are two teenagers who are struggling with fear and stress and anxiety. And on their way to school, they walk past Mr. Irwin's house. One day he shows them the garden in his backyard. He's a family friend, so I wanted to make sure that he wasn't creepy, right? So I had to make sure like <laughs> I set it up where he takes them to show him his backyard, shows him the garden. They see this beautiful garden that looks like Garden of Eden. He modeled after the Garden of Eden. And from that, he starts teaching them about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so through that lesson, And the battle of good and evil, he explains and teaches the five Ds and how to overcome to win the battle. So each day they learn a little bit more about the game plan and then how to counter it and how to win the battle. And that was the way the story unfolded. And I wrote it, literally finished it by January 8th. So every day I'd get up, I would write a little bit, I walk, I pray, I get more ideas, I come back, I write a little bit more, then I'm done. Then at night I edit what I wrote go through some of that. I'll get some new ideas while I'm editing. So I'll write those down on a piece of paper right there on my pad, right near the, the keyboard, right near the computer. And then I'll start writing again the next morning. And that process continues each day until the book is written. And I just went over the book because We just finished our final editing because it comes out at the end of June. And I was going through it. I'm like, wow. And as I'm reading through it, I'm like, man, like this is so powerful. This is so magical. This is so incredible. And I'm going, not saying that about myself because I know it's not me. Like, I don't even remember writing some of the things that I wrote. It was just flowing and I was just putting in there. And the wisdom that came through was not for me. I am not that smart. And I know that God was using me to write this book. And I've shared it with some pastors and they said, John, this book is going to impact millions and it's going to bring millions to Christ because it's a salvation story. Because at the end, the way we counter the division is unity. And what happened in the garden gets reconciled on the cross. So once you understand the two stories of the garden and the cross, you can see the whole picture and how it all plays out. And you can see that Jesus is the answer to the separation of man. And Jesus unites us back to God. He reconciles us back to the father. And I share that at the end, as Mr. Irwin shares that. And you see these twins finally have peace and they finally have understanding. And it's so powerful. And so I just know I was meant to write that book and, and I, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with it. I know I'm probably going to get attacked in some ways, right? Because the enemy probably doesn't want this out there. There's going to be a battle. But at the same time, I know I was meant to write it. And it was And I was a little, um, I would be honest and say fearful or I would mm. say like, should I really write this? Like it's, a, it's my first faith-based fable and people gonna re- who read all my business fables are going to be like, what's up with this? But I knew I was meant to write it and I have to write it and put it out there. And so we put a warning page in the introduction that says, warning, this is not like my business fables. This is a faith-based fable based on my faith tradition. So I share it right out. So if anyone is, doesn't like it, sorry, but I had to share the truth. I had to write were, the truth, share the truth. They were warned,
1: right? I mean, they didn't have to turn past the opening page.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the, and the subtitle says a spiritual fable about ways to overcome <laughs> fear, stress, and anxiety. So I think it's right there.
1: Well, I love this, and, I, and I, I take notes on this, John. Doubt, distortion, discouragement, distraction, and division. I was having a conversation, um, actually leading a small group discussion with some business owners just a few days ago, and I said, you know, especially this whole issue around confusion and distraction is really Satan's um, game plan, right? In fact, you're talking about the garden. The very first question that we see um, mentioned in Scripture is a question from Satan, when he looks to Adam said, who told you that, right? Asking that, and he's trying to distract, and he's trying to cause division there uh, between Adam and and his father. You know, you were talking about COVID. So one minute you read this research project that says masks are safe, and then the next one is don't wear masks, and then uh, it's contagious this, and it's that, and it's deadly. And science is a practice that's evolving. But what you're talking about is eternal truth that are absolutes. How does that principle of eternal truth guide you in encouraging the world and bringing this message of positivity? I don't know if that question makes sense, but how do you hold true in a world of confusion?
0: Big time. It makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you brought it up. In the garden, the serpent says to me, did God really say you couldn't eat from all the trees in the garden? No, he said you couldn't eat just from one tree, the one tree, not all the tree. So he was planting seeds of doubt that God can't be trusted. So when I see what's going on with this virus, I see this as the ultimate enemy attack. We mm-hmm. are seeing this pervasive at a collective level, the way people are acting on such a mass scale. We have never seen the enemy attack like this in this way. I believe it on a mass scale. So I think what we're dealing with is a massive pervasive fear Division, think about social isolation. Stay separate six feet away. Don't be around people. This virus is going to kill you. So think about what's happening, division. Think about the doubt that's being created. Who can be trusted right now? The doubt, think about the distortion, all the lies. You talked about the data and the research. We have one data that says this, one data that says the other. People are arguing over models and data and studies and research. And there's no comprehensive communication that's happening. From a leadership level, I wish the president would communicate in a more clear and direct way and say, here's what we know. Here's our best case studies. Here's what the science is telling us to combat all the lies that's out there. Because there's actually a lot of lies and fear that's irrational. If you would actually explain, hey, we have this prison study that shows that 98% were asymptomatic. We have this other prison that was was." Um, Out of 586 people in the population, they all had coronavirus. Only two were hospitalized. We have that. We know that the data shows that 18 to 22-year-olds, this is the rate. Not one person has died in the 18 to 22-year-old range. You know, to explain that, to explain what's happening. It would be helpful to give people information, right? This is what we know about mass. This is what we don't know. So, again, you can combat that. Where there's avoiding communication, negativity will fill it. So, as you know, I'm a leadership principle person i teach on leadership that's my main thing building winning teams building great cultures great on leadership so when i see that i'm not here to be political i'm talking about i wish you would do a better job of really explaining the science and share the best practice of what they know do you know in china they did a study on thousands of cases and only one transmission happened outside only one outside and so that would give us a lot of information about the safety of outside and being outside and so forth so there's so much great information that we can share so what guides me though all of this is not the information because there's so much misinformation so what's guiding me is god's truth god's understanding yeah, that
1: there you go there you go
0: that that i'm speaking truth to the lies Best advice I ever heard, Dr. James Gill's only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. Six double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later you do another one. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And he was asked how he did it, he said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. He said, if I listen to myself, I hear all the fear, all the doubt, all the complaints, and all the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. And so that's what we have to do. We have to speak truth to the lies. And what he would do is he would memorize and recite scripture. Well, that's what we're here to do. Jesus gives us that blueprint in the wilderness. Every time the devil said something, what did he say? It is written. It is written, it is written. He spoke truth to the lies. And so how do you get through all this misinformation? How do you get through the doubt and the discouragement and the distraction? You focus on God's message, God's word. You speak truth to it. You trust instead of doubt. Instead of distortion, you speak truth. Instead of discouragement, you encourage. We continually encourage Mm. ourselves and others. That's what I'm here to do right now. I'm here to encourage people and share the truth. I wanna get into the science debate. I wanna get into all that, no. My wife says, John, that's not what you're here for. You're not a scientist. You're an encourager. Focus on that. So she's right. So I'm at my best when I'm encouraging people through it because I want to get into the big, because I want to share the truth because there's avoiding communication. But I know that's not, my, that's not God's plan for me. So now I'm encouraging instead of discouraging, right? Encouraging distractions. What matters most is the way you combat the distractions. What matters most? Relationships, loving people, finding ways to connect. That's what matters most loving God, loving others. So guess what? Let's focus on that. Not the media headlines. Let's just love people. Because we're getting so caught up in all of the distraction. The enemy is having a heyday right now with yes. every with these five D's. Like people were reaching out to me who have read the book already and and my friends and so forth, like everything you wrote here is like playing out on a massive scale. And then you can see it how it's playing out individually. And there's no accident. I wrote this book literally, right? January 8th. I finished it and God wanted me to write it for this time such as now. So you can see it all playing out. But the great news is, we know love wins, we know Jesus wins, and ultimately, I have no fear. That's my main thing. The way I'm going through it is, like, if, if I get the virus, and, I, and most of us will, the research shows, most of us are going to be exposed to it eventually. If there's, yeah. no, there's no guarantee of a vaccine, well, guess what? That I trust in God, that if it's my time, it's my time. Yeah. And I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to live my life. My wife's the same way. My daughter is delivering for Postmates right now. She's delivering food, you know, and deliver. Ask to where my kids are. Yeah. And I want her to learn, you know, can I support her? Yes. But I want her to learn about overcoming adversity and, and, and having to provide for herself. She's just graduated college and her job was, you know, was, was, Put on hold and so she has to find another way what a great lesson for her to learn how to make her own money but i said jd you scared she was no i'm not scared dad i trust in god like this girl has no fear right yeah. so if you're again if you're older and you have underlying conditions yes be smart be diligent right yes if you go outside and a mask does work you know there's data there's arguments yeah. on both sides sure sure it works wear it if you're gonna go around other people inside close quarters okay maybe you should wear it right so you do those things and be smart and and do it but you don't do it without fear you do it because you're being pragmatic and being smart so anyway that's that's how i'm living this through this and i'm also trying to encourage people through the process but we have to see the five d's and you have to understand how they're playing out and once you do you can really see the enemy's game plan and how he's dividing this nation dividing us with all of the confusion and the distractions and the stats and, and the virus that's causing a social isolation. And we're all taking the bait and we gotta stop taking the bait. Stop eating the fruit. Don't eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Trust, <laughs> eat from the tree of life, which God says that is where I provided, that's God's provision. They were meant to only rely on him and to, and to trust in God. So we have to eat from the tree of life and, and trust in God.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, John, uh, first of all, I'm so grateful that you have invested in, in our program today and in our audience. I know you're in huge demand, but you're just your graciousness and your, your just kindness to spend time with us. So I want to honor the time commitment that you've afforded us. So we have just a couple more minutes here. And so uh, two things, uh, would you please again uh, tell our audience, uh, some of them are going to hear this conversation after the book's been released. Okay. Um, but what's the best way for folks to learn about John Gordon, to learn about this new book, The Garden? Let's, that, that's the first question. What, what's the best way?
0: So, the website is ReadTheGarden. ReadTheGarden. My website is johngordon.com. J O N Gordon.com. You can find my books there and also Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yep. Twitter and Instagram at John Gordon11. J O N Gordon11 is Twitter and Instagram if people want to interact with me there. And I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm honored uh, to be on this with you. So thanks for having me.
1: Uh, that's very kind. So the last thing I'd love for you to do is um, we have a lot of listeners to our audience who are business owners, they're leading companies, they're leading organizations. And we know everybody's being hit hard in mm-hmm. the in the timing that you and I are having this conversation. Businesses are closing like left and right. Yep. Um, business owners aren't sure how they're going to, you know, be able to stay in business and pay, um, unemployment's through the roof. Uh, what advice, close us with this, what advice would you have for someone who, even as they're listening, they're saying, John, I get it. I understand the doubt, the distortion, the discouragement, the distraction and the division. I'm sensing those things. I'm feeling those things, but John, how can I break through? How can I get through when I'm just being surrounded by all this negative energy and all these negative forces, Just kind of close us with with a word of advice or encouragement, would you?
0: I'm so glad you asked that because I feel for all these business owners because having been in the restaurant business, owning a few restaurants, I know what it's like. I'm a small business myself right now. And when this happened, I lost a lot of money and revenue from this. I could have applied for the PPP protection program and so forth. But I knew that other people needed that money more than me. And I didn't feel right taking it. So I, my wife and I decided not to take it. And we're still paying our team as well. And we are going through a lot of challenges. Other people are as well. But here's the deal. In the beginning, when it first happened, I'm going to admit, it rocked me at first. My yeah. pessimism showed up. I was a pessimistic optimist. So at first, I was very pessimistic. But then I said, is this going to help me move forward? Is this going to help me create my future? I've got to stay positive through this. And I got to find my faith through this again. God, I trust in you. So every day I just kept saying, God, I trust in you, God. I trust in you. And that is the ultimate answer right now. I know it sounds easy to say, but it truly is to rely on and trust in God that He brought you to this moment. He will carry you, He will provide somehow, some way. It is a test of our faith and our trust. Are we going to believe the lie and trust the enemy or will we trust in God for the future of our life and our family? Somehow, some way we will prevail. And that is what I've been doing from day one. My motto has been this, win today. Win today, John. You can't worry about the future. Just win today. Then win tomorrow. Win the next day. If we win each day, we're going to win the future, but we just have to win each day right now. We can't control... Well, we can't control. We can only can control the, the things that we can control, right? We can't control everything. We can't control everything, but we can control what we can control. And that's our attitude, our actions and our efforts. So what do you do? You focus on what matters most about your business. You find a way to adapt and innovate right now. My motto has been also besides winning today, survive, survive this time advance during this time, like March Madness. I came up with this during March Madness, when there was no March Madness, but there was March Madness in the world. Yeah. Advance, move forward. Here's the thing, don't look backwards. You can't look back and think what would have been, because I was crushing 2020. January and February, I think we were all having our best years yet. Everybody was crushing it, we were all feeling great. And That's the break, so true. <laughs> yeah, and then the brakes were put on, right? Then, 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 then it's like the world stopped, and then fear came in, and everything changed in that moment. And at first it was really bothering It's It was like, I was going to have the best year ever, like what's going on? And all of a sudden I lost all this money, all this revenue. Didn't know what the future held. So I was feeling that like a lot of people are, but you can't look backwards. You have to look forwards. You can't look at what you've lost. You have to look at what you've gained. We don't know what the future would have been, but we know what will be by what we will create. So what you believe right now will determine what you create in the future. And you gotta walk and move forward with belief and optimism and faith and love and hope. And stop buying the doom and gloom. The media is pervasive with their doom and gloom. I'm seeing hope right now. Even out in LA where I am right now, I'm seeing people out and about, they're going to the beach, they opened up the beaches. There's changing, even the governor who's been so negative is now, of California is now talking about opening up the leagues and opening up sports. So the more people get out there, the more people get back, it's going to turn around. I do believe, and I'm very optimistic about the future. I think things are going to shift and turn in a very positive way very soon. So I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but I think by the time they do listen to this, we're going to have made some major shifts along the way. And there's going to be a lot of optimism and hope as we move forward. But I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling the optimism. I'm feeling the hope. I do trust in the future. And it's amazing. Like, I got someone who reached out, out like, just being trusting, someone reached out. Hey, can you do a virtual thing with my... With my team, I got this budget. Y'all do it. Hey, I got this. Will you do it? Yeah, I'll do it. I got this budget. Y'all do it. And I've been basically just saying yes to people and and helping people, and being there. Whatever budget they had, I'm working with them. Where in the past, I would never be able to do it for that amount. I'd be too busy, right? At forty thousand dollars talk, you know, I'd be doing that. But now I'm able to help people that you know reach people that I normally maybe wouldn't have helped. So there's so much good opportunity coming out of it. And I didn't know if anyone would reach out, but I've stayed trusting. I've stayed faithful. I've done what I've done. I've done a ton of zooms. Here's the thing my vision hasn't changed. Maybe my goals for the year have changed, right? Our goals and businesses have changed, but the vision remained the same. To inspire and encourage as many people as possible one person at a time. Still doing it, still living it. Finding a new way of doing it. Zoom, adapting, finding a new way of doing it. So look for the adaption. Look for the way to innovate. Look for the way to grow through this. This discomfort will make you stronger. So if you could survive in your business right now, just survive. don't close the doors. If you could then just move through this time, you're going to come on the other side of it stronger and better as a result of that. Hopefully we will move through this time in a a positive way without having having lost it. If you did lose it, well, I've lost jobs. I've lost businesses. I've been two months away from being bankrupt. And that's where my faith was born. That's where I trusted God. That's where I found my calling and purpose. And God will provide you and show you the way as well if you trust in him.
1: John, I just cannot thank you enough. So folks, John Gordon, check out readthegarden.com and johngordon.com and follow him on, as I do on Twitter every day. I look forward to those positive messages. You're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to hundreds and thousands and millions around the planet. I thank God for, for, for saving you and putting this message of positivity and encouragement because you are making a difference in the world. And Thank you for joining us here at Bottom Line Faith.
0: Hey, thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me, and God bless you.
1: Thank you, brother. We'll see you soon. Well, folks, wow. (laughs) I mean, my ears are like pinned back. I'm so encouraged. I'm so grateful, so thankful for those words and those moments that we just had with John Gordon. I just know that this was a timely conversation. I'm sure that you are encouraged, that you are blessed by the time we've just had with John Gordon. And I'm just grateful that God has placed him in the marketplace, living out his faith. A little bit different format today on Bottom Line Faith, a little bit different framework for our conversation. But I trust that you have been blessed and encouraged. Hey, pass this along. Share this conversation with your uh, business associates, your employees, your family, your friends. Let them know about the message that John has shared with us. So until next time, I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. This is Ray Hilbert encouraging you to live out your faith each day in the marketplace. God bless. We'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at BottomLineFaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. Well, hello, this is Ray Hilbert, co-founder of Truth at Work and we are so excited to invite you to register right away for this year's Truth at Work conference, which is on Friday, September 11th. Obviously, 2020 has presented us with perhaps the biggest challenges of our lifetime, both personally and professionally. The global pandemic has forced us all to reevaluate nearly everything in our lives, to take a step back, to inventory our priorities and how to best maximize our time and resources. Well, I believe it would be safe to say that almost none of us have had to lead in times like we find ourselves in now, and we're all learning how to make the needed changes to pivot in today's business climate. Over the past nine years, the Truth at Work conference has become one of the leading events for Christians in business, and this year, we're offering it all in a virtual online platform and you simply don't want to miss it. We have put together a truly remarkable lineup of thought leaders and subject matter experts Every presenter has been hand-selected to deliver best practices that are going to help you grow your company and set yourself apart so that you can prosper in these difficult times. Now, in addition to our powerful lineup of speakers, the event features valuable breakout sessions so you can learn more about how to apply what you're learning. Come, join us for the Truth at Work conference as we are building together. Friday, September 11th, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Get registered today at truthatwork.org forward slash conference.